This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, do you guys hear that? No, what is it? That's the sound of sweet silence. If you're one of the people last week that wrote in that it was hard to hear because we were on the road and a lot of ambient noise, <laughs> let it be known. We have heard your, your pleas. We are back in the studio today for the Behold podcast, everybody. Yeah, sorry about that. We were, you know, we we're trying to do something fun. We we're trying to mix it up a little bit. There were some uh, extremely loud talkers where we were, and we could not have foreseen that. So we, much apologies. But. It didn't say like... Hey, can you shut up? We're doing a podcast. Hey, speaking of shutting up, you're not supposed to talk yet. Okay, you're the guest. We haven't introduced you yet. Okay, so easy. Spoiler easy. alert right there. Zip it. Zip. Uh, well, I'm Sean. This is Dan. And spoiler alert, that's Nathan Bader. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, welcome, Nate. Glad to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be back. I, I feel like I was just here like three weeks ago. I think it's probably true. That It's maybe more than a feeling. Okay. <laughs> Maybe reality. Yes. Okay. Yes. But how have you been since, since those three weeks? Good. Good. Yeah. Um, last week was wonderful. I, I, uh, you know, usually I'm teaching every other week at the crossing and then the week I'm not at the crossing, I'm at the Altamont. And so last week I got a rest. I got to sit with my family and, uh, just enjoy the Altamont community. It was great. So that was, that was great. And then we had, uh, Altamont youth last night. Mm. So we're in a new series on relationship, healthy relationships. What does the Bible say about that? And then tomorrow, I get to go to Valley Christian Elementary School and talk to fourth and fifth graders about their questions from the Bible, which makes me so happy. That's so cool. Give us give us a little sample of one of the questions they wrote in. Yeah. So a question, a great question about sin. You know, if God hates sin, why did He make it? So there's an assumption there that God created sin. And so what my, my goal, cause I was thinking there's 35 questions and I have like an hour, which is impossible. Yeah. So I'm going to group them and then I'm going to tell a story using scripture and then I'm going to ask them to answer their own questions based on what we read. So I'm going to show them that the Bible is both, um, great at answering questions and two, that they can read the Bible and answer the questions that they have. Wow. That's, that's very like uh Jedi of you, you know, <laughs> flip it back around yes, on them. And, yes, yes. Yeah, that's good. That sounds great. So, Hey, look out Valley Christian. You're going to, the, the Nate train's coming. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild time. I'm excited. Thanks to Kelly Luck who invited me. So nice. Wow. Uh, speaking of a wild time, we had a pretty wild time in a good way uh, here at the crossing last Thursday for the national day of prayer. Did we not? It was we incredible. There. We were there. Yeah, give us a little, give us a little whoop whoop wherever you're at, beholders. If you were there, and um, if you missed out, don't worry, we'll do it again next year. And we're always praying as as a church family. We're getting together on Tuesdays for prayer room. We're we're gathering all th- throughout the valley and VBC groups to pray. Dan, can we only pray for the country one day a year? Is that law? yeah? Unfortunately, um, it, 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 there's a verse I think somewhere that says that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lightning bolts going to strike me dead here. No, you can pray anytime, anytime for our country. But we we had a focused day, which it's just kind of. I think there's a there's a certain unity and power in just knowing that. Hey, churches and people all throughout the country are focused in on this 24-hour period for these these different arenas of influence in the country specifically. And 
yeah, so we did that all throughout the day. People dropped in. We had a prayer room service. We had an abide service. And uh, I would just love to just maybe go around the horn here and just let's each just share one one cool thing that we saw God do or one thing that shifted in our hearts or something we learned or a prayer God answered or just whatever. Yeah, so I'd love to let's just go around and share um, and just kind of let's let's hype up. That sounds weird, but let's hype up prayer. <laughs> well, as, well, as you know, immediately following that Thursday, all of the the president and, and all the the House of representatives all became believers. So my prayers worked. Wow, that's amazing! No, no, I don't think that's true. That, that that's fake news. Uh, that is fake news. Um, but you know, it was, it was it's a great reminder that we're called to pray um, for our nation, for our leaders. Uh, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy that that he wants everyone to lift up holy hands, praying for leaders so that we can live quiet lives, because when things are quiet, we, the gospel can go forward without without hindrance. We don't have to be on, on eggshells about things. So we're praying for that. We're praying for peace in our country. Um, there's a lot of chaos. So that was that was a great reminder and opportunity. I brought my family, which is copious, uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, Rita sat on one side with some kids, and I sat in the back uh, on the right-hand side with a few, with some of the other ones. And we just prayed together on different topics. Um, and uh, we do we did what I call a victorious retreat, which is you bring your kids to participate in the life of the church. Um, and when they start to get antsy, you victoriously retreat because what you've done is you've demonstrated two things: one, that they have a place with God's people. So and, important. And two, you've modeled that that being with God's people and and praying together and, and living life in the community of Jesus is important to you as a parent. And so those two lessons are invaluable. If you if you don't if you've never taken your your child to a prayer service or something like that because you think they're too squirrely, uh, I encourage you to go. And if it's twenty minutes in, thirty minutes in, and you're like, this is getting a little squirrely, you 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 smile and you say, all right. That was wonderful. Let's go home and right. get in, you know take our take our milk and go to bed. We did a similar thing. So we had the the men's conference, men's retreat, and I, I wanted my boys to come and just participate. But I mean the 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 the, the discussion was so high level, <laughs> you know. Uh, they but so anyway we we did we did about twenty minutes into the first session and I could tell they were getting a little squirrely and so I was like I was like hey why don't you guys go you know just hang out in my office and I'll, I'll catch up with you later. And and it was so cool too because when we got we got home and Emily was asking the, the boys about it, they each had some cool things to share they got some stuff out of it yeah because um, and I think that there's a third thing that shows which I don't know see if you agree with this it shows that you you're going to prioritize care for them and what's best for them mm. you, you're never going to force them to yeah. do something that yeah. that that's is great. not going to be beneficial for them yeah that's great great I, I like that it, it's it's um. I think, you know, sometimes people will, you know, get embarrassed by their kids in public places. I think if that's you, be encouraged uh, not to feel that way <laughs> because you're not embarrassed for your kids. You're you're in the process of growing them and equipping them and building them up, and uh, they're never an embarrassment. Yeah, amen. Um, their behavior, to me, embarrassing behavior is not kids being kids. Embarrassing behavior is them mistreating people. Yeah. Not loving people well, and that should be reflect. Maybe you should think: what, how, Am I modeling that to them? Yeah. 
So it's like the planking or instructing rod thing. them. Or my, do I need to, you know? Oh, this is an area that I need. I need to look at. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's so easy to, you know, get, you know, in public places or your eyes are on you. Like, you know, I'm trying to enjoy my meal. Why can't you get your kids to be quiet? Yeah. And and uh, and to, you know, but that's not. You never want to communicate that to your your kids. Yeah. Um, their gift, and so yeah, I think that's great. You show show them that I'm not embarrassed by you. I'm going to prioritize what's good for you. And what's good for you may not be what you like. Yeah. Um. But um. This this community of faith that I've come into because of the kindness of God and the uh, power of His gospel, um, is is valuable, and it's 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 something I want to want to give to you. Yeah, it's so good. I'll give a quick shout out to a couple. Uh, uh, kids who come to our prayer room service regularly, Bridget Clark, you guys know Bridget Clark. Mm-hmm. So she brings her, her two, um, you know, cute little wild children, uh, to prayer room. And it's so cool because all throughout the service, whether we're singing or we're praying, you just hear them, you know, just being kids, like running around, making noise, babbling, singing. Um, you know, we've got kids activities so they can draw or sometimes we've done things where they like little prayer activities for kids and, and, um, I think Jody DeMilo brings some, some of her younger family as well. And it's just cool, like to have that, that life and that, that, and, and it's something we kind of have to just be, be welcoming and okay yeah. with Yeah, You got to get used to it because yeah. it's first it's a distraction, but then once you realize, Hey, this, they're a part of this. It can be really beautiful, you know? And I, th- I think it's only distraction if you misunderstand fundamentally what the church is. Mm. If it's a building where things happen, then yes, they're a distraction because those things are not happening like smoothly. If it's <laughs> an event that's supposed to, you know, have, follow a certain path, then yes, they're a distraction. Right. But if it's the people, <laughs> then they are the people and they're part, you, yeah. part of the community. And so just like, you know, someone who's got some physical disabilities, you don't put obstacles you know, in the door that they can't get over, you open the door wide so they can roll their wheelchair through or get their walker through, right? Yeah. And same thing. Oh, you're 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 you suffer from youth, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and exuberance, and yeah. you know, I'm crusty. So, um, and and I, I think I think you know we we think about missions and sharing the gospel. Some of the best things that we can do as a Christian church family is smile at children when they're when they come into our worship spaces yeah and and just know that we appreciate them and parents who are harassed there's some kids have got you know if you have if you have calm kids you're you're blessed in it but it may not it may not just be your good parenting and someone who's got wild crazy kids it may not be their bad parenting yeah and so instead of being critical we smile we say hey can i help you with something oh you look like you're carrying some extra bags can i help you with that mm-hmm. um and uh we welcome we welcome we welcome them yeah, yeah. so that's, that's good that's what i'm excited about yeah sean yeah it was great i loved our time one of my favorite things is just you know we try to incorporate prayer all the time as a church family obviously we want to pray together but you know, there's something I think for some people intimidating or daunting about the idea of praying with strangers, or there can be at least. We're always trying to make sure people feel free and just aware that we're a family. Of course, we're going to be vulnerable together and pray together, right? But anyways, one of my favorite moments of the National Day of Prayer was, yeah, just there's a lot of people who came and a lot of them didn't know each other and they didn't really know what to expect, but they got there and were just like, right, we're going to break into groups and pray for the next half hour together, you know? And I could see faces as I said those words out loud. There's a couple people who are like, 
uh oh, you know. Right. I'm exposed. <laughs> yeah, but we encourage them like, hey, we're all there's no hiding here. We're all gonna pray together. And um man, I was just so encouraged because so quickly the room just got so loud with prayer. I just yeah. the, the it's just con- I look, I was looking on the room several times, just like, wow, look at this beautiful scene of just yeah. brothers and sisters in Christ praying to our father together. And I'll I'll play a little clip. See if you can hear this audio through the mic. I'll describe the picture to you. The um, crossing is set up like a living room. It's all kind of in a big circle. There's groups everywhere. Probably about 80 people just kind of gathered in little clusters. And here's what it sounded like. I hear Randy. I hear Randy. Yeah, spo- spoiler, I was next to Randy. Because just, man, what, what a beautiful murmur, you know? Yeah. Just knowing that not this isn't just people bonding and talking fellowshipping. These are prayers together that our Father in Heaven is hearing and answering. That is amazing to me. I think you that's know, a great collective noun, a murmur of prayers. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. That's good. We should hashtag that. Well, I just think it's, and it's so amazing to me that what struck me was just, I thought about that that scene in in Revelation where the the prayers of the saints are being offered up and like incense to, to the throne of Christ, right? There's just like this pleasing aroma that that Jesus just, he, he longs to, to hear those prayers and, and to intercede for us on our behalf. And I just think it's so amazing that it just speaks to the capacity of our God because yeah, we have 80, maybe 100 people in a room all, all praying together and he doesn't miss a thing. Mm. But then if you zoom out even more, Think about all the people throughout the country, throughout the world that are we're doing the same thing at that same moment. And God can handle it all and he invites it all and he actually wishes there was more going on, you know? And so it's just uh it speaks to the broad shoulders that our God has and just his his kindness and his generosity to um to to move and to supply our needs and to just be good and gracious to us. Mm. Yeah. Amen. I'll share a couple things that were just really profound, you know, from my point of view. So one of the things that I love about my job is I, I get to help people engage and I get to encourage participation because when we're together as, as the body of Christ, the more that the more participation we get, the more interaction we get, the more, people using their gifts and and sharing what God is putting on their heart. I think that's the that's the better that's the best expression of the body that we can have. You know, it's kind of that Ephesians 4 thing. We're all we're all serving according to the grace that's been given us and and it's building the body up in love. Uh, yeah. You know, and so the way that the room was set up and just the the structure or the, maybe lack of structure that there was in the night really I think just provided opportunity for for people in in two profound ways that I observed to to participate. Number one is just, you could really hear the voices, the voice of the people. And I think it's really cool all throughout the generations and time periods and cultures, music can change and shift the, the sound, the style, the instrumentation, right? And we're, we're always trying to tap into, um, to contextualize worship in, in the time and place we're in, right? But you can go back to any point in human history and the people of God are a singing people. Mm-hmm. And so what's the one constant Continuity. is the voice, the yeah. voice of the assembly. Mm-hmm. That there, There's something 
divine and beautiful and constant about a group of, you know, redeemed people coming together and being united in song. And when when we're unplugged kind of like that and we're in a group like that, you just, it's very pronounced and it's just, and it's beautiful. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, just to add to that, one of my favorite things on top of that, and or maybe just as part of that, is I just love as a church, you know, one, one of the challenges we always face with having a larger group size, you know, is it not being a production, you mm-hmm. know, not being this like thing you just come and watch and then you leave, you know, and there's something about having the room set up that way where it's just stripped down acoustic instruments where we're all down together facing each other. It's like we're, we're together. It's not, I'm sitting in the seat watching someone pray and play and then leave. It's like, no, we're here to do this together. We're here yeah. to do something communal, which yeah, it's, it's just so refreshing, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it's like another way that that was expressed is we, we had times of group prayer, like Sean said, but we also had times of, of corporate prayer where as musicians, we created some space where we weren't singing and we just allowed people to, to just from their seats, just offer up prayers of Thanksgiving prayers of um, petition prayers of exaltation of worship. And it was just, it, I, people read scripture. They, I mean, it was, it was just like this open sharing time while the music was kind of just underneath. And I had, we eventually had to cut it off because it was just, it could have just kept going. People were just sharing and sharing and praying and, and it just, it was, it felt so like spirit led and just so um, beautiful and, and encouraging, edifying, you know, and, and worshipful. So I just love that kind of stuff. And I don't know, a little bit behind the curtain of just my brain is I'm, I'm, I'm praying and thinking about like, how can we, how can we have our Sunday morning times be more like that? where there's opportunity for people if they have a verse to share, if they have a testimony to share, if they have a prayer they want to offer, if they if they have a song that's on their heart that they want to encourage the body to sing together. You know what I mean? It just would, I would love for there to be planned time in our services where there was nothing structured. Like mm-hmm. it's just open, you know? To, Plan, planned, unstructured. Like, yeah, exactly. Planned, like it's intentional, it's intentional spontaneity, yeah. basically, you know? Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's just uh, for probably for later, but it's something that I is stirring in me. You know, I, I certainly, I certainly like the opportunity for people. Kind of, it goes back to what you're saying that everyone's got different weeks. The Lord's teaching us different mm-hmm. things. We're all growing in different ways, and so to have a space to say, "Here's a passage from God's Word that has been really speaking to me this week," mm-hmm. and and you know, and, and just to read read that, um, then even if even without a even without a description of like, and here's why it's been speaking to me, or here's how I'm doing it, right? Yeah, just, just with just without here's here's a passage that, that I've been really thinking about this last week. You read the passage, and then someone else who hears it, even if it doesn't strike them as potentially meaningful, what they are left with is, wow, God is speaking to people yeah. through his word. Yeah. And um And am I availing myself yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, yeah. or what and is maybe he go speaking talk, to you? you know, and so later on you go talk to that person and you know, yeah. So I there's there's something beautiful about that and we're um, it, it, it's true that in our kind of model that we've we've inherited, uh, uh, there's um, it's often a more one way conversation than a two way right. two way interaction. So anyway, come come next year. It's gonna be great. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say I I love 
you know, you're just kind of describing, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to work elements of this into our normal gatherings. Yeah. I just love that, you know, we're not, we loved our time on Thursday and it was great. But the beauty of it is, is what was beautiful about that and great about that was the people of God interacting relationally together, both with one another and to God, right? And we can do that every day of the year, you know? So totally. come, come next year, but also come next week because you have that same opportunity to just engage relationally with one another every time the people of God come together. So It's great in groups too, by the way. Yeah, it for works, sure. It works there. BBC groups. Come to the prayer room. That's a thing. Okay, anyways, that's enough on day of prayer. Um, hey, we're in the book of Luke, y'all. Yeah, we are. We've been talking about Luke for the last uh, four, five months or so. Since Christmas, roughly, with a break for Easter. A little break for Easter. And um, yeah, things are... are Charlie uses the phrase turning up, I think. He's turning yeah. up for Jesus, yeah. uh, both in the intensity of um, just his to-do list and the things he's accomplishing, the miracles he's performing, the, the commands he's giving, but also in his opposition. Those who are watching these things happen and, and saying something is, we got to do something about this Jesus guy, you know, for those people who are um, unwilling to hear what he has to say, you know, when it comes to the status of their hearts and whatnot. And so... Yeah, Charlie led us through um, towards the end of chapter six in Luke here at the crossing on Sunday. Just a section that I think a lot of us found pretty challenging. You know, I think a lot of us, it made us evaluate the way that we are interacting with some people, the way that we are um, viewing certain relationships and, and certain opportunities to respond like Jesus or not. You know, specifically, it kind of came down to this issue of. Uh, loving your enemies in, in a radical way, you know, and that manifests itself in all kinds of ways, which we're going to dig into now. That's kind of a launching point for us is, man, Jesus makes it clear both in action and in word that the way that we as followers of Christ deal with opposition, deal with hatred, deal with conflict and strife, deal with people who hurt us, um, that is to look really differently than how the rest of the world does it, Right. So, with that said, uh, what, what are some of the first things that kind of struck your guys' heart as you were listening and reading along with Charlie? Hmm. Well, I, I was just thinking about this right now as you were doing the setup. Um, those first few verses um, that Jesus says, love your enemies, those who hate you, bless those who curse you. And I think sometimes as we get overwhelmed because we think, I got to love the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> or we excuse ourselves from loving and being intentional with people in our actual life by doing stuff for people far, far away, you know, but Jesus, Jesus is really, I think, focusing on the people in your life. So that's the first thing. And, and Charlie ended great by, and the third question on the back of the notes, Hey, who, who are you going to deal with this week that you know? And so well, he had us even picture a face and a name. Yeah. You right. know, like think yeah. of one person, person that is hard for you. Yeah. And so I, I, th- I think that's a great, I think it's a great important thing to start with. I pictured that, you, Nate, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, face to face. Yeah, exactly. Couple of silver. Uh, that's, uh, that was good. I like it. Keep that going. Show? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, so I, I think it's one thing just to kind of start the picture is this, this is not loving generally. This is, this is concrete caring for people who are in your life, uh, you know, actually harming you or actually asking things of you, actually inconveniencing you. So um, th- th- as we're li- looking through this, don't, don't abstract. We got to, can't abstract. We got to, we got to be concrete. That's cool. And it's almost like 
you can you can train we can train ourselves to to think of those opportunities where people oppose us, harm us, inconvenience us as as triggers to 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 okay this is this is it i'm in I'm in this moment right now, this is what I've been training for, you know like and trigger warnings, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying like it's <laughs> yeah. like okay, it's happening right now, and this is the person that I'm supposed to <laughs> I'm supposed to be like Jesus too, and that is it just simplifies things for us because we don't have to kind of i don't know we, we don't have to overthink it yeah I, I if you go back to was it last week, yeah. Or the previous week, I was teaching on the bl- the blessed blessings, mm-hmm. and um, that's the context for this. Where I think we meant I mentioned that this that, that setup, that beginning of that of this uh, sermon on the plane, really sets up all the things that Jesus is going to say from here on out for the rest of this message. And so, when why when when we are being oppressed, I love that I love that idea of trigger that you said. Um, I think this is really valuable because what usually happens when someone's harming us or acting in a jerky way or whatever. What, tri- what we're triggered is a self-preservation. I need to get mine. But if we've already been blessed and we have a future hope that's, that's secure, I, I can set that aside. It doesn't that this your bad action toward me doesn't need to trigger my fear of scarcity. I, yeah. You're going to take from me? No, I'm going to get it back. Or, or you've insulted my standing with people. No, because I'm already loved by the Father. I'm adopted into the family of God. I don't need to preserve my status. Jesus wasn't concerned with preserving his status. He was only concerned with letting people, making sure it's clear who he was so people could come to him for life. Yeah. But he wasn't like, well, I'm the son of God, so you ought to do what I say. Yeah. Right? He was, he was, his only concern about his identity was that it was clear so that people could come to him or reject him. That was, that was, I think the only thing he was really mostly concerned with, he was not asserting his identity in order to bully people or to puff himself up. This reminds me of something that our marriage counselors helped us with almost 15 years ago when we were getting ready to get married, Emily and I. It was this concept of laying down your rights. Hmm. We are conditioned to fight for every thing that we that we want we're conditioned to protect what we have at all costs we are conditioned to hey don't let anybody take advantage of you don't be a doormat right and i think what happens is that can that can kind of permeate how we relate to people and it really is countered it to the way jesus loves and the way jesus modeled love on earth when he, when he dealt with people. If you think about Jesus's life, I mean, what does Isaiah 53 say about him? He's, he's, he's despised, rejected. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He, he, he lived like we're going to see, like we're seeing increasingly in in Luke. He lived with opposition. He lived Mm -hmm. with, with relational pain. He lived with physical suffering and he knew that that's what he was in for when he engaged in relationship with people. He knew that they were ultimately going to reject him. He knew that they were ultimately going to murder him and torture him. And, and that didn't stop him. So there's this, there's this, uh, laying down of what we feel we deserve. That is a prerequisite for, for the Jesus kind of love that we see in model modeled in Luke and we have to, it's, it's, it's risky. It's messy. It's, 
it's not safe, huh. <laughs> you know? And I was talking to, to somebody, um, I was counseling them this week and they ha- had an abusive relationship in their family and have been counseled and directed to set up some really strict boundaries, but something's shifted in the family dynamic where there's a crisis right now. And so they're kind of wondering and feeling pressure from the rest of the family. Hey, you need to bury the hatchet or you need to reach out or whatever. And so I was talking them through that. And, and certainly my heart was full of compassion for them and understanding of the abuse that they've been through and how that has physically harmed them even. But this other thought was in my mind too of like, what would Jesus do? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And is, is there, is there, uh, some things that come in from our culture, whether it's like the therapeutic culture or it's the, the culture of self and self-preservation and, and things like that. Are there things that seep into us that basically, uh, there, there are, we think of them as virtuous. We think of them as, as essential or, or necessary for relationship, but actually they're, they're counter to the way Jesus loved people. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I kind of like threw that out to this person and, and it was a tough conversation, but, but those are the things that we need to battle through when it comes to relationships, whether it's with our um, people inside the church, people outside the church, you know? Yeah. 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 I was, I, you're, as you were talking, I just, I just had a little, like a little, not um, brain little, fart. No, no. Like a Epiphany. Little, like, like a little, well, no, it's like a, not a red flag, like what you're saying, but I a red flag about a word in this passage from Luke. Yeah. Um, in Luke, you know, 627, uh, Jesus starts off, but I say to you uh, who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. And he starts off with this, those, you, those who hear. And like everyone's like, well, we all hear. But Jesus is saying, those who have heard and received and are going to follow this. This yeah. is the idea. But, he, but he, the last one is abuse you. And just, just a, you know, a reminder, when you're reading um, translations, um, these are English translations of Greek words in, in the New Testament. And so, for example, that word that's translated in the ESV, abuse, is also used in 1 Peter 3.16. There it's translated revile. Mm. So it's not talking abuse, like spousal abuse. It's not that kind of stuff. Right. Um, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about personal attacks based on your Christian convictions. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's important to just to point out because all everything you're saying is right, but we we have this we have this uh, um, definition problem where you know I I attach meaning to these words in our current culture that may, they may not have had. Sure. Well, even the word abuse in our culture it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. Right. If someone it, using alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> you know? or, or or they could say or someone could someone could say well this person calls me names that's that's abuse. abuse. Yeah. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. so. That's why that's why I think we need we do need help from like pastoral counseling, biblical counseling. We we may need to go see someone clinical and professional and and, and to to help suss that stuff out. But I just think sometimes we we're so entitled in how we expect people to treat us. Yeah. That we we never we never we're not, like love's supposed to be risky. Love's supposed to be like I'm opening myself up. And yeah, I could I could get hurt here. But it, you can't truly love someone without doing that, without... without. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would say we, we, we can kind of understand the scope that Jesus um, uh, has because of how he pivots in, thir- in 32 through 34, 
where he says, hey, even, even you know, the sinners do these, act this way. <laughs> so it's, Jesus is not, I don't think, primarily saying, focusing on the abuse part. He's focusing on the love that, that the kingdom of God produces and, and that, that the family of God is supposed to evidence because of the, the loving father we have has to be above the baseline of human of human of human norm of the human norm so he he gives three things he says look sinners love those who love them and everybody loves who loves them right if someone's really kind to you of course you're gonna be kind back it's just how things work there's a reciprocity was that uh charlie i think he struggled with that reciprocity (laughs) right no but reciprocity and and so yeah okay that's check everyone that does that makes sense if you're living in a society especially if there's wolves or animals you know that dangerous, and you're starting a little community of of, of people in the hills. You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna ally yourself with people who are kind to you, so that you have protection, right? It's just a, a normal human thing. Or a second one, doing good to those who do good to you. Yep. I if I'm hungry, or if you're hungry, I'm gonna give it to you now because I might be hungry in the future, and I want I want to pay back. Bingo. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm planning for the future. He says even sinners do that. And and by the way, um, sinners lend. They'll even lend things because they're expecting to get it back. So, if that's your standard of good, that's not the heaven, the culture of heaven. The, the, the Father of heaven, who is your Father, he says, gives generously, gives generously to all, yep. even his enemies. And so, it's more of a, um, it's not, I don't think it's so much receiving abuse as actively loving people. Yeah. And maybe that's what you're kind of. No, that's great. That's, yeah. a, that's really good. Well, I was just thinking as both of you guys were talking, like, there's something just, there's like a baseline assumption of your reality that i think underlines a lot of this stuff because it plays into the entitlement thing but just one thing you said caught my ear of just that is how we think about it now that oh yeah love is risky you know but actually love is not supposed to be risky Hmm. love is not supposed to be something that can hurt you love is supposed to be an extension of god's character in whose image we're made that's that's the original plan yeah now we do know because of sin that 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 loving someone in alignment with God's character and his love hmm. does mean we might be met with unlove because not everyone is living like Jesus, right? That's yeah. the reality. But I think it's important we get back to that of just no, love is right. Love is love is the operating condition upon which we're supposed to be in, you know? Yeah. But if we want to be obedient to Jesus and we want to serve his mission in the world, then yeah, that is the reality that that as you do that, it's not even risky. It's it's guaranteed almost. Mm. You're going to be met with things you opposition, don't like. opposition yeah. return. And I think that that distinction. Thank you for pointing that out, Nate. Between opposition to that, to the goodness of Jesus, is not that's really different than, like you said, domestic abuse and emotional abuse and all that kind of stuff. And for sure, like getting into the nitty gritty of where you draw the line of you know What's what do that? I say is actually abuse and all this stuff. Yeah. That's not the point. Um, and and. We do have to just acknowledge that because we live in a broken world and we, we live with a lot of these things that affect the way we process, for you to heal from that type of abuse, it does take time. It does take just time to heal. And a lot of you guys who have been through stuff, whether it's things that were not someone hurting you, like the loss of a loved one, or maybe it was someone hurting you and it was more relational, those types of losses or hurts or conflicts, sometimes you just need time, you know? And so it totally may be for a season of your life that hey the 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 way forward for your heart and just your 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 relationship with this person is I need some time I'm gonna I'm not gonna do anything unloving towards them 
but I need some time apart from this relationship for a little bit to get my head and heart right before God, again, to get back to that baseline of who you are and who God is in your life. And then you approach the situation again, you know? Well, and, 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 oh, well that's the thing. Matthew chapter five, verse 44, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's something that <laughs> it's hard to do, but that's something we can do if we're, if we're in an abusive situation, right? Where we can still have the, the boundaries that will, will um, keep you healthy and safe and, and not, not allow you to be subjected to, um, that kind of torment. But I mean, that praying for someone is, is it, it's often, I don't know. I think it gets, it gets like, well, I can't do anything else. So I guess I'll pray, you know, but really prayer is the first and best thing we can do for somebody. And, and whatever kind of dynamic we have relationally with them, it should be, we should stay faithful to, to praying for them all throughout. Yeah, it's, you know, um, Paul says in uh, was it Philippians four, to, you know, to, when you're don't be anxious about anything, but everything in prayer with supplication and thanksgiving, right. make your request known to God, and the, that's the Father, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, and so I I see praying for someone who's wronging you, let's say at work or a family member or something, when you go with that burden of pain. You know, it's, it's you don't have to pretend that it doesn't hurt. Yeah, you don't have to pretend that it's wrong. You go to the father and you say, you take it to him. And he says, "This, this is, this is really hard, yeah. Yeah, father." And then the father works. Uh, to, to talk it out with him, and he, he's going to bring you the peace that comes in Christ. Meaning, you're mine. Hmm. I, I'm with you. Uh, I've I've given you all the blessings of heaven. You have everything you need for life and godliness. And then you're like, oh, I'm at rest. And I think in that place, then that's when the wisdom of God can come in and maybe you get insight to that boss. Why is that boss so angry at me? What, uh, you know, we have a friend who uh, has a situation we were talking about the other day where the, the bo- boss was like, or his people at the work were just really super hostile. Why? Why? Oh, what is that? Okay. And, and when you do that, you disconnect their evil, sinful action from the the image of God that they are, so I think a lot a lot of the stuff that Jesus is talking about goes back to the big two: love love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength; love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And who's my neighbor? It's everybody, even your enemy. Because we'll find out in Luke's gospel that the Samaritan is the one who acted neighborly, and Samaritans were hated by the Jews. The Jews hated them; they hated one another. So that goes back to the enemy bit: loving your enemy. And then where does that? Where do those two come from? Those two come from Genesis chapter one where God made humans in his image. And that's on the basis of that, that we have value and we are to be treated with respect and dignity, no matter your age, your capacities, whatever. And so all this stuff here is, um, you know, love your enemies because they don't know what they're doing. They're captive to the forces of this world. You know, almost always there's with a few exceptions, I would say there's sometimes when Jesus talks to the Pharisees and says, you're, you're sons of your father, the devil, (laughs) just like instead of being sons of God, sons of God, like in this passage in, in verse 35, you will be sons of the most high when you act this way. Mm. All that, that phrase sons of God is a Semitic, um, um, idiom. It just means you demonstrate the characteristics of something. And, also, we could say, do its will. So when we when we for, when we forgive like God forgives, when we're generous like God's generous, even to our enemies, we 
we show the characteristics of God, our Father, and we um, are doing His will. And so Jesus said to the Pharisees, mm-hmm. "You're you're the, you're the father of your of your your father is Satan, because you're murderer li- murderers at heart and liars, and you're doing His will." His, so so all that to say is. With that, those few exceptions, I think even that was kind. He was trying to shock them to say, oh, yeah, I'm having murderous thoughts about this Jesus. I should probably change because that's definitely against God's way of doing things. But in general, the picture that Jesus gives, the picture that Paul gives um, and the other apostles is that people are captivated to sin and, and they're in a dark kingdom. So they're not the enemy. We don't wrestle against them. Even someone is abusing you, I, if I show kindness and the generosity and grace of God, then the there's a higher likelihood of them res- being rescued, <laughs> yeah, um, because they're they're tasting the love that God has poured into our hearts, which Charlie mentioned in Romans five. Hmm. Man, I was just thinking too as you're saying that, like, I think that that's so good, just where that heart response comes from. And then I was just kind of thinking, man. Also, we didn't, I don't know if we hit this yet on this podcast, but you got to know who you're dealing with in these situations because if we're talking about an unsaved coworker, you know versus your saved friend, the, 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 the blueprint for how to move forward is wildly different in those two situations. You know, they're both rooted in love, but in one, you know, your mission plan is how do I sacrificially reflect Jesus to this person, you know? And the other one, it's still the case. That's still your mission. But in the case where it's your brother, there's some pretty clear outlines to follow in scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus says like in Matthew 18, he makes it really clear. All right, if you have an issue with your brother, first of all, you and him go and you try to work it out. And there's something about that that I think a lot of us skip in this process. You know, it it usually looks more like offense and then brooding and bitterness and not dealing with it for an extended period of time. And then there's some kind of like blow up as a result of that blow up energy. Or gossip. The the gossip happens happens in the middle of that. And maybe there's some, some kind of intervention or whatever. But no, Jesus says, hey. If you if you've been sinned against with your brother, you you go and you work it out with just him, and you figure it out. And then yeah, if if he doesn't listen, then you step it up. If he doesn't listen, you step it again before the whole church. And then eventually, if he still doesn't listen, then you treat him as a gentile or a tax collector, right? So you kind of wash your hands of it a little bit. But he ends that section in Matthew eighteen with that famous verse that's kind of misused a lot. But just man, when when two of you are gathered together and you pray to me to resolve these things, there I am. I'm with you in those moments. And so I think that that as a game plan for dealing with people who even are treating you wrongly, if they love Jesus, say, hey, I even if you don't get it, hey, I'm, I don't know what is going on right now. Can we please pray together right now? And the reality is if they are authentic in their faith for Jesus and if they really do have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then we can trust what Jesus says about that, that, that there's going to be fruit from that process, right? Can I, can I piggyback on something you said about the the – different ways of addressing who you're talking yes. to. Oink, oink. Yeah, yeah. So, First Peter 3.1, Peter's addressing believing wives. And get this, he says, likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if, the, if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see a respectful and pure conduct. So here, here and there's, Paul has a, a similar passage, uh, although he's less, he's less, um, uh, encourage <laughs> his less hope that this this will change the heart of somebody. But in both cases, there's this re- real realization that you might be in a marriage where the, your spouse is not a believer, mm-hmm. and so 
you're to love that person. Obviously, you're, hopefully you're not in an adversarial type of thing. But even then, the focus is on a, t- a pattern of gracious, loving life toward them, that you're giving life to them, just like Jesus gave his life to, for us. And so, um, you know, you don't, you're not going to get into a theological discussion, but for a believer, where you both share the same family, the same father, you, that's the basis for your uh, conversation. So if, they're, if you're being persecuted by a, a believer or, or being uh, uh, wronged, then then you're the loving thing is to, but instead of being resentful, to say, "Oh, the way that you're acting is not in line with your call," mm-hmm. and um, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, show you that you're wrong and I'm right. I, I want, I want to help you get back on track. Yeah. So what's the heart behind it? What's what's yeah. the motivation? And again, that just kind of goes back to what I was saying before about. I think sometimes we we go into those, those interactions, like wanting to fight for our rights, mm. wanting to, to, to prove it's, we want justice. You know, it's like yeah. you wronged me. Like I'm on the right side of this thing. And, and I want you to, to come and, and grovel before me or like change your ways or whatever, you know? And that's just not the Jesus. That's not the heart of Jesus. Yeah. But he says, he says back at the beginning, rejoice, rejoice when you're, when you're mistreated, when you're mistreated. Yeah. rejoice, you know? Yeah. And that's the basis of, uh, that I get that trigger idea, right? That yeah. that uh, oh, when I'm feeling when I'm feeling uh, just like when I feel anxious, that should trigger a prayer with the Father. Mm-hmm. That's according to Philippians four six or four Philippians four yeah six um, and seven. Um, and but when I feel when I'm being persecuted, that's a trigger to love. It's a mm-hmm. I'm, it's a call to love. Um, Jesus on the cross, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He he did all these things, by the way. That's that's wonderful. Jesus doesn't just tell us to do things he himself doesn't do. <laughs> if he's the perfect son of the father who perfectly did the father's will, we'd expect that his whole pattern of life would say what he's, would model what he's telling us. So Charlie's number point number one, we love those who oppose us. Jesus prayed for his enemies. He loved his enemies. Do we love those who harm us? Yep. He, he uh, let people beat him. He didn't retaliate. You know, he didn't call his his followers, um, those who inconvenience us. All along the way, Jesus was being inconvenienced by people asking for healing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. We're going to read about that in a few weeks. And he stopped in the middle of his tracks and and takes time to, to heal a woman So, or talk to her and let her yeah. hear tell a story. So, yeah, this is all stuff that Jesus, the Son of God, does. And we can, he left it as a pattern for us to follow. Amen. And speaking of Jesus... You know, kind of the the closing of the book on this from Jesus's point of view in Matthew eighteen is just that that posture of understanding what we've been given through Jesus and letting that be the motivation for what we're talking about. Because right after Jesus gives that command about dealing with your brother who sins against you, right, he ends chapter eighteen in response to Peter, who is like Jesus. How many times do I really have to forgive my friends? You know, like as much as like three, four, seven whole times, mm-hmm. right? And what did Jesus say? He says, are you kidding? No, 77 times, you know, and then some. And he tells that parable about the the king and his servants. And if you're not familiar, just the gist of it is there's a king whose servants owe him money. And there's one servant who ends ten, who owes him 10,000 denarius and he, life crippling debt. And the, the, the servant begs him, you know, initially being sold, just begs him, Lord, please forgive my debts. And the master does. He he forgives him his debts. And then someone owes that slave money. 
like a hundred, like a tiny portion of what mm. he owed the king, and he won't forgive him of it. And he ruins the guy's life trying to get his money back. And the master hears that and he says, are you kidding me? He's, I think he calls me a wicked slave, a wicked servant. He says, you, you received, here it is. He said, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And his anger, basically he retaliated and not good for the servant. But point is, Jesus <laughs> says this to, to, to remind us, don't you understand what you've been given in me? Don't you understand the inheritance you have in my kingdom? All of these things you're talking about when it comes to people wronging you and requiring forgiveness, that's the hundred denarii compared to the hundred thousand or whatever it is. Like there is no limit to the forgiveness you should give. So in terms of these conversations and these situations, what's our game plan every time is keep forgiving. Is keep forgiving. Does forgiveness always look like, hey, we're great. I'm going to welcome you into my life and we're just going to live like just we did before? No, it doesn't have to look like that. But it does look like you are not holding on to bitterness or resentment. You're not treating them unlovingly. You know, you're not, you're not uh, casting others around you to gossip towards that person. No, you're, you're going to walk in love in, in forgiveness. And as far as what that looks like, get counsel. The Holy Spirit, I, I trust, will help you make wise, discerning decisions in that process. But yeah, forgiveness all day, every day. Love all day, every day. Uh, did I miss anything? Reflecting Jesus all day, every day. All day, every day. Well, and it's that it's that beautiful scene that we see of the woman anointing Jesus's feet with with oil and washing his feet with tears and and her hair, right? And there was, she made this scene. <laughs> she created this scene, you know, and the people were appalled. They were offended. It was, it was this over top, over the top expression of, of worship and devotion and, and blessing that she, 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 she did this amazing service to Jesus and people were just all bent out of shape because of it. And, what does Jesus say? He says in, in, in Luke chapter seven, which we're going to get into pr- pretty soon here, but it's, she, she has been forgiven much and she's aware of that. And so that makes her love much. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what kind of life you've lived, <laughs> um, whether you've, you've been on the streets, you know, or, or you've, you've, you've been a wild child, the prodigal son kind of thing, you know, or you've, you've been a, a moralistic, prideful person who's, who's tried to earn your salvation. I mean, we, we've all, our sins are many, hmm. right? The, the, the record of debt against us is staggering. It doesn't matter who you are, or what kind of life you've lived. And so I really think if we can just, like you said, Sean, if we can just call our mind to that reality day in and day out. I've been forgiven so much. And so I, I I love God much. And then that love overflows into the people of God and the people that are made in his image, even my enemies. And so I don't know, like if that was something that I, I was just, I wrote down, like if I, if I find it hard to do that, if I find it hard to love my enemies, I can just focus on, how much I've been forgiven in Christ and and then I can I can learn to extend that to the people that oppose me. I don't know if Charlie hit, like focused on this so much. Um on in verse 38, uh he talks about uh or in the 37 he says, Judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
And then he says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is a really interesting passage. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Have you? It's kind of a. Um, you could, on the one hand, you could turn it into like a financial, like uh, if I do this, then I get this. <laughs> or, like God's or, obligated to do this to me, right? You well, know? Or, or like it, it could be like, oh well, this is reciprocal, right? That, right? Because if I give, then I get back. Yeah, but who's giving back? Yeah, who's the giving, Lord is. The, the Lord is giving back to you, and so so I, I think this is really important to think about okay going again we're supposed to rejoice because of this treasure that we have this our great reward that the lord has we're also in fellowship with god we're called you know sons of god and ladies again that's that doesn't exclude you it's just we're, we are we are mod, modeling we're children of god who model the character of god that's what it means it's a phrase and so um and we're that means we're in relationship with him so we got the relationship with the eternal God, we've got sweet deal, a sweet deal, eternal life, and and great reward. Love that. And and here it says there is a God. You're opening up a tab with God, hmm. and he he's like, how much how much do you want to be generous with today? And it's an I think it's an invitation. It's not it's not it's not I don't think intended to to. Um, it's not like a tip for like, tap. Yeah. Kind of like if you don't do this, I'm not yeah, going to give it yeah, to you. Because yeah. he's already generous. He's already says, I'm generous with my enemies. So that's mm-hmm. a. it's not that I'm, he's going to withhold any good thing. It's the, it's more of an invitation. How much How much do you want to be, how much do you want to be generous today um, in light of the fact that I'm, you cannot be more generous and kind than I am. Yeah. And I don't think we're always looking for like, it, it doesn't say, and, and then the next day you're going to get you know, five times in cat, cold cash, which you gave yesterday <laughs> yeah, in cold yeah. cash. He, it's it's just a, a sense of, God is not oblivious to your acting and, and you're seeking to be generous like he is. And mm-hmm. he, he's saying, I, I see how you're acting. And that, that is, it doesn't go heart. unnoticed. It doesn't, it doesn't go, go, it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah. Mm. You're, it's a reward. Great is your reward in heaven. There's That's a, cool. there's a sense of you have an active role. How much, how much do you want God to be generous with you? Generous with you? Well, here's the deal to the degree that you're generous that's that's going to be the same type of measure that God has. So if you're stingy, if you're if you're if you're skimping, if you're just looking for the bare minimum to slide by, well, by the way, even sinners do that. So there's no there's no benefit to that. But if you're if you're stop, if you stop doing the calculation of that life is scarce and I need to keep all I can for me, hmm. or I've got to get protect police my reputation um, by getting having the last word in when you try to zing me, I'm going to try to zing you back. And he says, actually, live a life of generosity toward everybody because, one, that's how, that's how I am. And two, when you do that, there is, a, uh, there is a reward from me that you're looking for. So where is your real treasure? That's another Matthew uh, passage, right? Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So I'm getting my word from God. I get my identity from God. I get my reputation from God. I get my f- familial... Um, protection and guidance and care from God. So I don't have to police any of that. I can set all that aside. I don't, I'm not getting it from you. Instead, I, I'm turning the generosity of heaven onto you. That's good. Wow. I mean, that kind of speaks into, that's kind of like the, the, the cherry side of it. Here's like the more the, the stick side of it. Because at the end of that parable on, in Matthew 18, I just described with the master and his slaves, Jesus uses some kind of heavy words. He describes that picture and he says, and in anger, his master delivered that, that slave who was feeling entitled and didn't forgive forgiveness. 
gave him to the jailers so he could pay all his debts. And then Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's like, whoa, Jesus, what? And, you know, we know that that can be confused. He's not saying you can lose your salvation. Obviously, we know that. But to me, I think he is communicating something deep about our hearts. He's saying, hey, and like for us right now, a lot of us, we we, we like Jesus, but we don't like being like Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think what Jesus is getting at is you can't do that. You can't really know me and not be like me. It doesn't work. Yeah. So he's warning you. If you're if you're that slave, odds are <laughs> something's wrong with your 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 relationship with me and your view of me and your trust in me. So it's just a bit of a, a bit the the sugar and the and the salt, I guess, yeah. of just man. The the rewards will be greater in heaven. And also, man, you can't you can't separate this. If you, if you want to love Jesus, you got to love being like Jesus also. Well, and, and maybe maybe I can take it one point because you you brought up the whole salvation thing. I perhaps it's not a salvation thing. Well, maybe it is a salvation thing <laughs> because in, in first uh, um, John, he says, if you don't, if you don't, um, you know, brothers, let's let love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows him. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. And Jesus says in, in John 17, what is life? Life is to know God. So if you don't know God, you don't have eternal life. Knowing God means loving his people. So I would say in that situation, mm-hmm. it's a demonstration that you're not really connected to the life of God. You're, if you if you haven't been forgiven much, you won't love much. Yeah. And you haven't if you haven't received the kindness and generosity of God, you can look, you can you know live in a certain way until you get tested. Until you get tested, and then and then what Paul says, hey, be sure to see if you're still if you're in the faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not a it's not a warning for believers. It's a call out for unbelievers. Yeah. You know. So on that bright note, hey, we hope that this has been encouraging, equipping, and most of all, that that the Lord is going to use stuff like this to help this be real in your life, you know, to to think and process and pray about people that God has placed in your life, that he's giving you opportunities to to love them more like Jesus, giving you opportunities to pray for their heart more than you are right now. And we're just trusting that as a church family and as just members of the church at large, God's going to use all the stuff to advance his kingdom. Amen. It's good. All right, guys. Love you dearly. We'll see you uh, this Sunday at the Altamont. I'll be there teaching. And then this Sunday at the Crossing for Mr. Jason Moog teaching. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.